Uh, we are looking at 1 Timothy 5, uh, 9 through 16 today. And before we start, let's open up in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this uh, new week, this new Lord's Day, the first day of the week, the day in which Christ was raised from the dead. Um, we thank you for your mercy that you give to us daily and um, for your grace that you give to us in your word and the gospel. We pray, Father, that you would uh, shape us this morning as we look at these uh, words um, from Paul to Timothy, and we pray that you would bless uh, the teacher's speech, and um, may Christ be glorified uh, this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, so 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, verses 9 through 16. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole passage. We're just going to read it as we go here. Um, Verse 9. So let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has walked with saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every uh, good work. Okay, so uh, this section is a continuation of the previous section where we looked at Paul told Timothy to honor widows, take care of widows, right? He's telling Timothy how to order the church properly, how the most vulnerable in the church are to be taken care of. And so this is a continuation of that lesson from last time. Uh, enrollment here in verse 9 has to do with officially being placed under the care of the church. And so, in a sense, if a widow were to do this, she would become, quote-unquote, married to the church. She was married to her husband, who uh, ideally would take care of her. Now that she's a widow, she is married to the church, and she becomes fully dependent on the church to take care of her needs. And so she's officially enrolled. Um, something like this still takes place today, um, probably not in the same manner uh, as, it, as it happened in Timothy's day, but something like this still takes place today. Uh, depending upon the needs of a widow, the deacons in the church determine how much to give a widow, how much um, she might need. And in an extreme case uh, where you're dealing with a woman who perhaps needs long-term care, um, that would be considered an, an enrollment. The deacons would say, uh, they would say to one another and to the session, look, so-and-so can't meet her needs every month. We have to pay her this amount every single month and so for a year or whatever. And so that's what enrollment uh, has to do with here. Now, there were qualifications for this arrangement. There was an age limit, as we see. She couldn't be less than 60 years old. A woman less than 60 years old, could still ideally marry, right? And so um, that would be the hope for a widow who's less, who's um, younger than 60 years old. Now, this this isn't to say that women who are 60 years old or older and single, widowed or whatever, it doesn't mean they can't remarry. Paul wasn't saying, wasn't strictly prohibiting remarriage for women who are older than 60. Paul was just giving Timothy parameters uh, for, to order the church properly, how to properly care for the members, especially the most vulnerable ones. Um, and so that was one qualification, age. Other qualifications included evidence of good works. 
Um, good works that exhibited an inner good character, right? A, a pure character. So she had to be the wife of one husband. Uh, now this referred to the wife's faithfulness toward her now deceased spouse, right? And so what was her marriage like before the husband passed away? Now if you think about uh, back earlier in this, in this letter, uh, Timothy was told how to... Um, or he was given the qualifications for elders, right? Elders were to be the wife of one woman. Um, in other words, they were to be a one-woman man. Well, so too, widows were to have shown that they were a one-man woman, right? And so what that refers to in general is just her devotion to her husband, her singular love towards her husband who is now deceased. Is that what she... Sh- is that what she had shown in her marriage previously? That was one of the qualifications. Um, and so we might think of the woman at the well in the Gospels that Jesus met. It's in the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus told her that she had five husbands, and the woman or the, the man that was living with her currently wasn't her husband, right? And so uh, a widow with a track record like that might be disqualified, right? If she's known for having all these relationships. And so there were qualifications, right? You, uh, the church doesn't, didn't just accept widows and take care of uh, all their needs without any qualifications um, uh, on her part. Uh, Paul mentions here uh, good works. Uh, so she was to be known for good works, and he clearly defines them. What, what good works? Well, what, what does she do? What is she known for? She brought up children. She has shown hospitality. She washed the feet of the saints. She cared for the afflicted. She devoted herself, right? And so these are all the characteristics that uh, were to be seen in a widow seeking enrollment. But of course, these are the characteristics that should be seen in every, every lady in the church. Now, these, these characteristics are given within the context of teaching directed specifically at women in the church. And so they take on a particularly female quality to them as you're reading them. They tend towards the need for gentleness, motherly care, tenderness, right? Christ-like service and humility, paying attention to those suffering and in need, devotion, right? All of these things are listed. These are the expectations upon uh, women in the church. Now, men, of course, do these things as well. We are all called to show something of these characteristics in, in our relationships with one another. You think about Jesus, the God-man. Uh, he did all of these things, and he continues to do so today. Uh, but there's something to be said about the feminine touch um, when we're talking about these activities, right? There, there's something to be said about the value of, of the, the gentle feminine touch that comes along with, you know, uh, washing the feet of the saints, caring for the afflicted, devoting herself um, to every good work, devoting herself to uh, serving the church. Uh, so I have a question here. So what, what is significant about Paul's mentioning reputation in verse 10? Good works. What do you think? What's the significance there? Why, why, he could have just said, uh, 
she is to be the wife of one husband, or she was to show devotion. She should have shown devotion to her husband. Um, she needs to do good works. She needs to show good works. Instead, he says, has a reputation for good works. What do you think the significance of that is, Don? Yeah. Yeah, excellent point. Yeah, so Don brings out the point that um, you're talking about Jesus when he comes again on the last day, right? And, and um, uh, he's talking about evidence of faith, good works, versus um, the lack of good works, right? Jesus says to those who are to be condemned, he said, uh, I was hungry and thirsty and you didn't feed me, you didn't drink me. And so they, there's no evidence there. Um, and they're to be witnesses, right? And that is what reputation refers to, like witnesses, people who see this. Jeff? Okay. Yeah, good. So Jeff brings out the point that we could say that this is... Um, Paul is telling Timothy that this woman needs to show a pattern of certain behavior, right? I think that's a good point. Um, one of the things that reputation brings into view, and I think Don brought this out, is witnesses. People see this, right? The reputation is with whom? It's with the church, right? The church has seen this. The church has seen what she's like. The church has seen evidence of her faithfulness, right? And, and like Jeff said, there's a pattern, right? A consistent pattern that everyone notices um, that's, that can't be denied, right? If that's not there, then it might not be in the best interest of the church to care for this widow. She, she might need to get herself in order before, um, before the, the church starts dumping finances into her, um, into her life. Um, okay, very good. Uh, Paul says, refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, uh, not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. Okay, so these verses reveal negative characteristics of women in particular. This is still, still directed at women, and these are the negative characteristics, characteristics that might be seen in the women in the church. Paul had just given a list of good works. Now he gives it examples of what it looks like to abandon the faith as a woman. Younger widows were not to come under official care of the church, he says, because of their passions. Now what, what is that? Now, this is a reference to strong, physical, or sensual, even possibly even sinful desires that come from this woman. We might think of the lusts of the flesh that would draw women away from Christ. That's what he talks about here. They've drawn away from Christ, their true husband. Um, Jesus is their true husband, and what these sinful desires do, draw them away from him. And so rather than use their widowhood for devotion to good works, they burn with passion. They desire to marry. And so Paul says these women in sin abandon their former faith. Now this is, he makes it clear that this is a negative picture of something that's happening with, uh, or possibly could be happening with a woman in the church. 
This woman is driven by sensual, lustful impulses rather than the Holy Spirit. And so this leads her to become what is listed here, a gossip, an idler, a busybody. Um, Now, as you hear these words, help me out here. Describe this type of woman in your own words. What do you think? You don't, we don't throw these words out a whole, you know, idler and busybody. Um, but, of course, you know what gossip is. But uh, what do you think? Well, put this in your own words. Yes, yeah, Shara. I'm sorry? Divisive. Okay, yeah. Certainly uh, a woman who gossips, speaks negatively about someone behind that person's back, that can cause division, right? So Shara says this woman might be divisive. Right? That's certainly uh, so, something that can result from a woman who, who does this. Anything else? What do you think? Uh, I think the general idea here, um, and certainly gossip is, it's very clear what gossip is, and it's, it's a divisive thing. Um, I think the idea here is a woman who's inactive. Um, she's meddlesome. She's focused on all sorts of inane matters outside of her own home, outside of the church. She's all over the place. She's even loose with her tongue. She's a gossiper. See, Paul even mentions saying things that she should not, right? You see there the lack of self-control with her words, right? And so she's involved in all sorts of things outside of what she should be involved in. That's kind of the idea. And so in terms of her service in the church, she basically is inactive. Um, and you might compare her to other types of women who show an abundance of fruitful activity in the church. And so what Paul is telling Timothy here is that the church should not financially support a woman such as this, right? Um, there's qualifications. The money is precious. The, fi- the resources that the church has are precious. Um, Women, even men and women, need to show a godlike, uh, a Christ-like character before uh, the church is going to fund that type of life. Um, Paul says that a widow who satisfies only her selfish desires is dead even while she lives. Now, this means, uh, first of all, this doesn't mean necessarily that she's not a believer. Um, So don't get that image. All I think all Paul is talking about is that she's. In terms of her use to the church, she's of no use. Uh, she's like a dead person. She, has, she makes no contribution to the, uh, to the help uh, of the church. Um, and so if that's there, then Timothy was to deny her enrollment, deny her uh, help from the church. Uh, I'll stop there. Any questions or thoughts on that? What do you think? Y'all thinking about lunch? I am. <laughs> um, lunch is always good here at Fellowship Meal. So, yes, Elaine. Sure. Ah, uh, good question. Yeah. Good question, yeah. Um, that's a good point. So Elaine brings out the point that 
Uh, you know, Paul says, he talks about these women who have abandoned their former faith. They've strayed after Satan. Um, and so, uh, can we still consider them as, as believers? Sure. 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 Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Maybe their age, they're young. They're still figuring things out. Make mistakes. They drift away from the church or whatever. Um, that's a good question. I. I. Um, I would just say that, uh, in terms of the phrase "she's dead even while she lives," I think for the most part. Uh, it refers to her, her uh, relationship to the church, right? I mean, she's, she's living and breathing, but in terms of what she actually contributes to the church, she's like a dead person. Um, now, with that said, uh, it could be the case that a woman who exhibits these characteristics is not a believer, right? And she has actually abandoned the faith, whatever whatever form that took previously. Um, now, we all know that, you know, there's no, uh, it, it's not always simple, right, when dealing with people. Um, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, measuring someone's height. They're either 6'4", or they're not, right? Uh, you know, some women may show these very things. They're filled with passions. They're no help in the church. Uh, for a time, right? And then they come back and really devote themselves. And that was just a, a time in their lives where they're, you know, drifting away from the Lord. Um, that woman in that situation was certainly part of God's flock, part of the family of God. But when it comes to, at that point, when it comes to the woman seeking help from the church, right? That's where. Timothy's got to be like, um, you know, you, you really need to get your life in order before we start helping you in this way. Yeah, Unha. Does that make sense? Yeah, that was a really good point. Yeah, Unha. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very good. That's a, that's a, you said it perfectly, Unha, yes. Some may have actually abandoned the faith straight after Satan, and they proved themselves to not be believers, right? And then others, uh, for a time, uh, drifted away, but they've come back, and, and they're helping the church again. So, yeah, Jeff. Good.
Yeah. Good. Very good. That's a great point, Jeff. And I think that's a good point to keep in mind for all of this whole letter, right? The apostle is giving Timothy general uh, lessons on what he's seen in the church as an apostle over the years. I've seen this sort of thing. If you see this, Timothy, this is what you are to do or not to do, right? Um, And so, uh, yeah, very good. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, with that said, so what I... what was brought to my mind just now is the, the age the age standard, right? I mean, I don't envision a, a situation where a woman is 59 and a half and Timothy says, no, nope, Paul told me 60. I'd come back in six months, you know. Uh, these, are, these are significant standards, but of course there's some flexibility there. Someone else had a hand over here. Yeah, Han. Exactly. This is somewhat of an official status. If a woman is enrolled, right, quote-unquote enrolled, yes, she's receiving finances from the church, but there's also an expectation on the other side that, that she would help the church, right? It's almost, almost like a job, but not quite. And so if a woman is, is known to be uh, distant and uh, unfaithful and has all these negative characteristics, she's not going to help the church. She'll just take the money, right? or take the resources. Um, and Han brought up the point that for a younger woman, uh, she might be faithful, but she might be enrolled and then two months later want to get married, and then she can't, she can't carry out her, her duties. And so there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a you know, mutual obligation there. The church provides for the widow's needs, and the widow, the expectation is that she would help in whatever way she can is able to do so. So it's like Hans, it's the office of widow. Yeah, that's very good. Good point. All right, um, let's keep going. So I'd have younger widows marry. That's to Hans' point. I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already...
relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly uh, widows. Okay, so we're given Christ-like characteristics or godly characteristics that are particularly female in character, right? Mary, bear children, manage their households. Rather than become an idle busybody, this woman is to curb her passions by marrying and use her youthful energy in being active in leading in her home and leading in the church or serving the church, right? So that's kind of the, the picture of what women in the church should be after. Now notice that Paul uses the same language for a wife's leadership in the home as he did for qualification for elders earlier, right? She is to manage her household. Marry and manage their household. What did he say about elders and deacons? They must manage their households well. Elders, managing their children and their households well. Deacons. I found that interesting because both husband and wife in the home, if there is a husband and wife in the home, They are to be godly servant leaders in their homes and in the church, both of them. And so we're reminded here of the fifth commandment. It mentions the leadership and authority of both husband and wife. Honor your father and mother, right? And so that's the expectation. There's definitely a female quality to it, um, but it's there. She is to marry, bear children, and manage her household along with her husband. Um, you might also think of Proverbs 6. This is from Proverbs um, uh, 6.20. It says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Right? And so there's, there's a leadership expectation on women in some manner, just as there is in, on men in the home and in the church, an expectation to serve to uh, to lead, to be active. Now, verse 16 is another reminder that family members in the, in the Christian family are to take care of one another. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened. Now this is simply uh, a, re- a repeat or an application of the principle that was given earlier in verse 8. Paul says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, he has denied the faith. He's worse than an unbeliever. Meaning, for Christian families, the expectation is that they would take care of one another. Um, if there's a widow in the church and she's got believing children, uh, that they need to they need to bear the brunt of uh, they need to bear the brunt of of, of caring for their uh, caring for their mother. Um, I'll stop there for a second. Any more questions or thoughts on that? I got one last, one last comment to make. Okay, one last thing here, Paul. Okay, uh, Paul earlier had equated faith uh, with Christ in this section. Now notice what he says here. Um, this is uh, so. This is verse eleven. He says, "Refuse to enroll younger widows." Uh, when their passions draw them away from Christ, right? And then later he says in verse 12, they have abandoned their former faith, right? So faith and Christ are equated here on some level in Paul's mind. Where does the woman end up? 
if she begins to do this, if she drifts away from the faith, if she's drawn away from Christ? Well, she ends up in the arms of Satan. Some have already strayed after Satan. Married, <clears throat> married women, single women, widows in the church, they are to exemplify Christ-likeness in their work for the home, and their work for the church. That is what the expectation is uh, for women. Um, think about what Christ did. You look at all these commands that are given to the women in the church, uh, expectations for them. What did Christ do? He washed the disciples' feet. He cared for the spiritually afflicted. Right? Caring for the afflicted. He cared for the spiritually afflicted by dying for us. He was devoted. Devoted unto death. Even death on a cross. He was hospitable. He's opened up his father's house to us. Right? He's shown us hospitality. And so women in the church are, are able um, to manifest Christ's love at home and in the church in, a, in a lots of different ways, right? There's lots of different activities that are available for uh, the ladies. And that's the reputation. That's what, that's, what the, that's what they should be after. That's the kind of reputation that, that, should, that they should be seeking to have. That is all I have. Any questions or thoughts on that? We'll get to the men next time. So <laughs> They're not off the hook yet. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and mercy to us in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for uh, man and woman made in the image of God and the way in which you orient our lives towards a mutual love and dependence upon one another between husband and wife, men and women in the church. And you have given uh, particularly our, our ladies, the sisters in the Lord, uh, various qualities and gifts to serve the church, to serve their homes. Father, bless them in this regard. Help them in all ways to have a good reputation before men and before God. And we pray that the men would be supportive of this and that we would lead by example as well. Father, prepare our hearts for worship now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.